And uh, in a way, tonight, I want to sort of take... We're going to be looking at one particular passage from Mark chapter 4. But more than just kind of looking at the specifics of that passage, I actually want us to take a bit of a wider angle lens at one of the characteristics I see in Jesus, which is... Um, that he seemed quite okay for people to not get what he was talking about. He seemed comfortable with riddles, puzzles, enigmas, parables, with talking in metaphor. He seemed okay to be vague and obscure sometimes when he was um, speaking. And I think that's a good um, aspect of Jesus for us to just have a look at tonight. So we're going to do that, mostly out of Luke, Mark chapter 4, but a little bit further. Um, I have a poem that I thought I'd start with, but actually I might get back. You're familiar with this, yes? Been a while. Do you want to read it for us? I'll pass you the mic. And then in like... Imagine we're a year seven English class. I know. Just, just for all of us who poetry is like a distant memory, give us the layman's version of what this poem is all about. Tell all the truth, but tell it slant. Emily Dickinson. Tell all the truth, but tell it slant. Success in circuit lies, too bright for our infirm delight, the truth's superb surprise. As lightning to the children eased with explanation kind, the truth must dazzle gradually or every man be blind. I'll read it again. I think that's the best way to understand poetry, just let it marinate for a bit. Tell all the truth but tell it slant, success in circuit lies, too bright for our infirm delight the truth's superb surprise. As lightning to the children eased with explanation kind, the truth must dazzle gradually or every man be blind. I think it's about um, that truth can take some time, um, but it's present and there and sort of let it come to you, I guess. Uh, I'd be open to discussing it further, but that's what I think it says in a nutshell. I love this poem because I think it really describes in some ways what Jesus was doing with much of his teaching and parables. I think he had a way of speaking the truth but not dazzling people so they couldn't. Like He just had a way of getting it in the back door. And that's what I want to talk about a bit tonight that sometimes on the face value of things and some of the things that Jesus said, 
Um, people were confused and we can be confused and we can feel like we're not accessing. But if we lean in and keep leaning in, the truth will dazzle us and it will actually transform us. So if we have a look at um, Mark chapter 4, I want to sort of skip dance a bit across this because I'm taking out the chunks of Jesus' actual parables and we're going to read around the edges of what he said on either side. Uh, You're familiar with the parables that are in there. Once again, Jesus began to teach beside the sea. A huge crowd gathered, so he got into a boat and stationed himself on the sea with all the crowd on the shore looking out to sea. He taught them lots of things in parables. This is how his teaching went. Listen, he said. Once upon a time there was a sower who went out sowing. And then he tells the parable of the sower with which you're familiar where this man sows seed and it falls all over the place, on the path, on the rocks, in the thistles and on the good soil. Yeah? At the end of that, Jesus says... If you've got ears, then listen. When they were alone, the people who were around Jesus with the twelve, they asked him about the parables. The mystery of God's kingdom is given to you, he replied. But for people outside, it's all in parables. So that, and this is a quote from Isaiah, they may look and look but never see And hear and hear, but never understand. Otherwise, they would turn and be forgiven. Don't you understand the parable, he said to them? How are you going to understand all the parables? And then he goes on to explain the parable. This is what the seed is. This is what the rocks are. Jesus does the explanation. Jesus said to them, When you bring a lamp into a room, do you put it under a bucket or under a bed? Of course not. It goes on a lampstand. No, nothing is secret except what's meant to be revealed. And nothing is covered up except what's meant to be uncovered. If you have ears, then listen. Be careful with what you hear, he went on. The scales you use will be used for you and more so. If you have something, you will be given more. But if you have nothing, even what you have will be taken away. And then he says two more parables. The parable of the seed where a man goes out and sows seed and it just grows. And the parable of the mustard seed, which is the tiny seed which grows into the large bush. He used to tell them a lot of parables like this, speaking the word as much as they were able to hear. He never spoke except using parables, but he explained everything to his own disciples in private. And then I've just added that verse down the bottom for your context, because while this chapter sort of finishes with a sense that Jesus explained everything to his disciples in private. 
it's pretty clear from reading the rest of Scripture <laughs> that they still had no idea what he was talking about. So it's not like they got it and other people didn't. It's like even they at, at times had no idea what he was talking about. So here we have this passage of Scripture. How's everyone feeling about it? Who's like, damn, I understand that for sure. Because for me, this chapter in particular is one of those chapters that, you know, in my lifetime and in my spiritual life as I've read this, this is one of the passages that would make me shake my fist at the sky and be like, Jesus, what are you doing? Like, why? Why talk like this? Why talk like you think you're talking like we know what you're talking about, but we clearly don't know what you're talking about. And even when you you explain it, we kind of still don't really get it. And then you talk randomly about candles under beds and like, you know, who puts a candle under the bed? But really, Jesus, you're the light of the world and it really feels like you're hiding under the bed here because no one is getting what you're saying. And so you're talking like it's clear and you're on a lampstand, but really we've got no idea. They've got no idea. And then you go on to speak about, you know, more riddles about different things and you quote, You quote the Old Testament like, he who has ears to hear, hear, and if you could only see, see, and if you could only do that, then you'd turn and forgive. And I think, isn't that the point of Jesus, that people would turn and forgive? But he's making it so hard for them. He's making it so hard for them to turn and forgive because he's saying, like, basically, if you could only hear, you would, and if you could only see, you would, but, you know, I'm confusing you. I'm like, what are you talking about here? This is one of my enigmatic Jesus things. And, you know, often, I guess, to lay it out there, we often think the point of preaching is to now that I will expound this passage and help you make sense of it, which would completely, in a way, undo the point of the passage, which is be confused by Jesus. So I'm not going to explain it to you tonight in a way that you will understand it because I actually think some of the point is that we don't. And that it doesn't obviously stand out to us, which then leads us in a way to respond to the whole thing out of our own hearts. As I have a look at Jesus and especially looking at this passage and reading this passage through the week and sitting with it, putting myself in the scene, like if you you could put yourself in the scene, Jesus is on the sea. There is so many people crowding around him that he's kind of being backed into the water. And so he hops on a boat so that all the crowd can still hear and see him. This is one of Jesus' golden moments. This is one of those times when he could like just tell everyone what they need to know, make it obvious preach about who God is, just lay it out so everyone's like, we get it, Jesus, we get it. But instead, he tells a strange story about a farmer who sows seed. And the story is told in such a way that everybody who was listening would think, this guy has no idea about farming. And this guy has no idea about how to sow seed and I have no idea who the farmer is in this story but he's got rocks in his head because no farmer in a slightly poverty-stricken regional agricultural area 
stands around chucking seed willy-nilly. Like, that's not how you farm. If you're poor and you don't have a lot, you, you count the seeds in your hand, you plant them in a row, you build a shrine over where the plants are so that you know where to water and where to hope, and then you pray that they grow. There is no way a good farmer in Jesus' day, it's like, it, he tells this story like the farmer's standing on top of a mountain with a machine gun and just chugging seed out everywhere. Like, it's going everywhere, it's going on the highway, it's going in the rocks, it's going in the grass, it's, some of it's in the soil. Like, that's the picture that Jesus is giving. So all these people who are crowded around to hear the good news straight from heaven just get this strange story that makes no sense to them at all. That's Jesus' method. This is what he thinks is his most ultimate way of communicating the goodness of God to God's people, speaking stories and strange riddles. And I wonder if I was standing there in that crowd by the seashore that day, what I would do after I heard that story. Would I just walk back to my home in my village and go back to cooking the dinner thinking, wow, I heard a weird story from a strange rabbi today. Or would I have been one of the ones who lingered a little longer and was around Jesus with the 12 and said, tell us what the story means, Jesus. Because there were two groups of people there on that day, most of whom just went home and back to their day-to-day life. And presumably there was a smaller handful of people for whom this strange and confusing story actually led them to lean in and ask more rather than dismiss the whole thing as crazy and go back to my normal life. And so I ask myself as I've been reading that this week, what, where would I have been? What would I have done? that answer might change on any given day. When I, when I read this and when I look at Jesus in other places, I think Jesus seemed much less interested um, that people understood what he was saying and more interested in the kind of listeners and understanders the people actually were. He seemed, he just just didn't seem to be worried that people walked away confused. Like Nicodemus is a good case in point. Nicodemus, Pharisee, comes to Jesus in the middle of the night, has heard the teaching of Jesus, is interested in what this rabbi has to say, comes to Jesus under the cover of darkness because he's concerned about what everyone else wants to think or what he's going to think. And then he asks Jesus some questions about the things that Jesus is teaching. Now, what does Jesus talk to him about in reply? Being born again. Jesus doesn't speak straight. He doesn't answer Nicodemus's questions. He gives him more deeper crazier thinking about what it means to be in the kingdom of God, about being born again, which Nicodemus clearly doesn't understand because his mind automatically goes to, is it possible for someone to be born again? And he still doesn't get it. By the end of the conversation, there's no clear indication that Nicodemus understood at all what Jesus was talking about and presumably he walked away. But somewhere in the course of the next amount of time of Jesus's ministry, 
Whatever it was that Nicodemus heard and was challenged with and was confused about, it was working its way in his heart and in his life. And we know that because Nicodemus is one of the ones that buries Jesus after he dies. So there is something about the confusion and the mystery and the riddle and the wrestling in Nicodemus that kept him leaning in closer to who Jesus was rather than walking away. And I think that that's what Jesus is after. I think there is something we can gaze upon in Jesus where he just doesn't seem too worried about the fact of us understanding everything. And he really is much more interested in the kind of understanders that we are. And I think this is a real challenge for us in our world because there is so much emphasis in our culture and in our Christianity culture about getting it right, about understanding the truth, about not getting it wrong, not, you know, believing the wrong thing. But I don't see too much evidence in the Gospels of Jesus being too worried about people believing the wrong thing. I think he had a lot of problems with people behaving in the wrong way, but less so with people believing the wrong thing. But in our world, often we have a lot of anxiety about believing right, getting it right, having right thinking. And I just don't think Jesus is as concerned about that as what we might imagine. And in fact, I think that Jesus may actually be a little bit okay with you being a bit befuddled at times, confused, not sure about what he's talking about, not sure about how that works out in your life, not sure about what the spiritual life looks like, not sure. I think Jesus might be somewhat okay with that. There were clearly those who leaned in and those who walked away. There's this great thing that Jesus says in verse 24, and he says this, Be careful with what you hear. I think that's a beautiful sentence. Be careful with what you hear. And I'm wondering if in that sentence Jesus is provoking people to ask themselves, with what am I hearing? Am I hearing with my ears? Am I hearing with my intellect? Am I hearing with the kind of attitude of working out what's right, what's wrong? Am I hearing with my heart? Am I hearing with wisdom? Am I hearing with the deep places in me? Like with what am I listening? With what am I hearing? When you come to Jesus, when you talk to Jesus, when you read the scriptures, with what are you listening? Be careful with what you hear. What kind of ears do you have? Do you have the ears that have already worked out what you believe and what you don't believe? And so when you listen, you're just trying to work out if that person speaking already agrees with you? (laughs) What kind of ears do you have? What kind of heart do you have? 
Do you have a heart that seeks wisdom and understanding? Do you have a heart that longs to follow Jesus? Or do you just want certainty? What kind of eyes do you have? Do you have the eyes that can see new things? Do you have the eyes that can look for miracles? Do you have the eyes that can search out new things? Or do you only ever see what you already know you believe? I think that following Jesus is likely to be confusing. I mean, not on the macro level, not on the level of like, I'm not confused about does God love me? Did Jesus die on the cross for me? That stuff, you know, we, we, we can, I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. But following Jesus in the nitty gritty of life is often much more confusing. It's like, what do I do? When do I do it? How do I do it? Where is God leading me? What is the Holy Spirit saying? What's wisdom here? That's not always black and white. The spiritual life can be a bit of an enigma. Like, how do we relate to God? How do you relate to God? How do I relate to God? How are we called to have a relationship with this mysterious, out-of-this-world person? It's not simple and straightforward. And life itself often makes no sense, which the Bible works with. Good things happen to good people. Good things happen to bad people. Bad things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. Strange things happen all the time. Accidents happen. Random things go on. Prayers get answered. Prayers don't get answered. We miss the answer because we weren't listening for the answer. We forgot we prayed the prayer and didn't realize it got answered. Like, it's just confusing. It's a mystery. Life's an enigma. And I kind of wonder when all of that hits, when you get confronted by just what you don't understand and what seems mysterious and where you feel confused in life and in spiritual life and in following Jesus, what do you do? Do you lean in and want more or do you kind of throw your hands up in the air and think it's all too hard and go back to washing the dishes because I think Jesus is wanting us to be people who lean in get a little closer who push in a little further and just say can you tell me some more about what you mean about that knowing that it's likely he's not actually going to answer that question. He may, in fact, return it with an even better question or just go on a different tangent. But in the end, you realise your heart is warmed within you and you have found connection to the King of Kings. And I think that's what we get when we lean in. When we lean in, we don't get all the answers. It's not like I'm saying to you, if you've got confusion or if you're feeling mysterious or if you don't know what you believe right now, just lean in a little further and it'll all get clear and fancy pants. It won't. You'll probably end up with more, more, more wondering, more mystery, but I guarantee you, you'll lean in and feel closer and more related and that will be enough because all of our questions don't always need to be answered. I remember a time, and this is not a spiritual life story, but um, a time in my life where it was, this comes alive for me in understanding how I work. So when I was pregnant with Freya, I was really quite sick and I had um, high blood pressure that had progressed into preeclampsia. 
this was sort of happening and I didn't really notice it too much because for the first 22 weeks of the pregnancy, I'd pretty much vomited at least once a day, if not more. So by the time that finished, I was feeling great. And then this blood pressure thing started to hit. So for me, it was like, I'm on top of the world. I'm not vomiting all the time. And I just kind of wasn't really that interested in <laughs> the, the high blood pressure stuff. And then I went into hospital for a checkup one day and they wouldn't let me out. And um, I didn't really understand it. I didn't really understand what was going on. Um, I thought that I just had to rest in there a few days and then I'd get sent home. So in my mind, my mindset, my hearing, my understanding was like, I'm going to get out of here because I feel fine and I don't know what's going on. And there was obviously some gaps in the way that I was hearing and seeing and understanding because I was not getting out of that hospital. And I, all of my emotional energy every morning went into the test result that was coming through that day or the, they died oh, having constant tests. And I just thought, if I pass the test, if my bloods are good, if my urine's good, and if that thing that they measure the heart rate on the baby is, I'm getting out of here today. And all of my emotional energy wasn't on anything else other than getting out of that hospital. And so I was not really comprehending at all what was going on with my body, with Freya, and with the whole thing. I was in hospital for four weeks before I had Freya. And I can tell you I was not hear hearing and not see seeing. And it wasn't until, funnily enough, I was watching Call the Midwife um, and Downton Abbey. You know, in Downton Abbey early on, this is because this is, this is a long time ago, nine years ago. So Downton Abbey was like rocking back then. And what's the name died? Sybil died from what I had. And it was in that moment, way post Freya, like she'd come out and we were, that I was like, that was me. I could have died. And all I was focused on was getting out of that hospital, getting the test results right. And, you know, I just think how easy it is for us to hear, hear and not understand and see, see and not really know at all what's going on because that was my experience. And so instead of actually, I mean, I don't know, how do you enjoy the journey of being on bed rest for a month in hospital while you feel pretty good? Well, there's ways that you can. But I missed a lot of that because all of my energy was just going into getting out of there. And I think about, that's a very like practical story, but I know that so many of us do the same in our spiritual lives. We have this thing and we don't want this thing and we're all focused on this thing and we don't really understand what the bigger picture is. We're see-seeing and we're not understanding and we're hear-hearing and we're not listening. And God is wanting to say things to us and he's wanting us to lean in and he's wanting to embrace us, but often we're missing the point because we're just so tunnel vision on the one thing we don't understand or the one thing we're fixated on or the, the, just, just that. And I think Jesus, he just wants you. He wants relationship with you. He wants you to lean into him and him to lean into you. And he's not going to answer all your questions, most probably, if he does come and talk to me because... I will ask you some questions you can pass along. But it's about the relationship. And it's about with what do you hear? With what do you hear? And what are you looking for? Are you looking for the answers to your questions? Are you looking for all the mystery and the enigma to go? Or are you looking for relationship with the King of Kings?
I think Jesus was quite okay with being confusing and speaking in riddles because he was looking for those whose hearts were open and who wanted to know more. And as they stepped closer, Jesus revealed more of himself. And as they stepped closer, he revealed more. And as they stepped closer and closer, they end up gathered around the table altogether. And that's where we're going. That's, that's the goal of Jesus for your life. Not that you would know it all. Not that all your confusion would disappear. Not that you would just understand it all. But that you would be sitting around the table with him. Reclining and leaning in to this person who loves you. And so what are you doing with your confusion? What are you doing with the things that you just don't understand. And let me tell you, there are all kinds of things we just don't understand. Some of them are theological, we just don't understand. And we're, we're wanting to learn more and know more. We need to lean in. Some of them are spiritual, we just don't understand. I don't I, want, I don't understand about this spiritual life. I want more. I want more connection. I want more. I want more. Jesus wants us to lean in. Some of them are about life. I just don't understand. I just don't understand life, why this is happening to me, why this is happening to that person, why there is so much poverty, why there is so much brokenness, why this is happening. Jesus wants us to lean in and ask him more questions. Jesus didn't seem too bothered that people understood him. I, rare, I don't think I ever see Jesus really saying, do you understand me? But I do see him saying a lot, do you trust me? And there's a very big difference in those questions. Jesus, huh? He's not always going to make it simple for you to understand. Or your confusion is not going to roll away. The life of faith is trusting. Jesus, I trust you. I trust you in the mystery. I trust you with the questions. I trust you with my doubts. I trust you with what I understand and what I don't. And I give you my ears and my heart and my eyes. And I say, make me a person who does see, see and understand and hear, hear and really know. I want to be that kind of person. And this really is just the the fulfilment of some of those other things that Jesus said about ask, seek, knock. Ask, seek, knock. Ask, what is that? Ask and you'll seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Ask and I've just had a mental blank. Ask and you'll what? Receive. Oh yeah, receive. That's the old, yeah. The ask and you'll receive. <laughs> seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Those things where Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary. Come to me, you who are thirsty. Come to me, you who are hungry. And I will give you rest and drink and food. And so I want to ask you tonight, how hungry are you? And how thirsty are you for more of Jesus? If Jesus is standing before us on the sea tonight and he's teaching and he's speaking in riddles and he's saying things we don't really understand, are you the kind of listener who's going to linger a little longer and lean in and say, tell me more? 
Or are you just like, oh, he's speaking in riddles again. Because my challenge is to be the one that leans in. And that even if you feel like right now, tonight, I just don't have the energy to lean in, that you just sit down and look at Jesus and just say, I'm weary, give me rest because I want to lean in and I'm not going to walk away. I think Jesus wants us to lean in. He wants us to seek, to ask, to knock, to be hungry, to be thirsty, to even be weary, to grab him by the coat and not let him go and be found at the end around the table, still close to Jesus because we always want more. We want more of him. Yeah? Can I pray for us just to finish? Jesus, I am very grateful that the scripture says you had compassion on all that you came across. And so I know, Jesus, that whatever we're thinking or feeling tonight, that you have compassion for us. And Jesus, in our culture here, in our Western 21st century culture of information and understanding and getting it right, we are so programmed to often think we need to know what's right, to have the boxes ticked and to figure it all out. But God, we just remember tonight that you seem to be okay with riddles and mystery, with truth coming in a circle and coming in the back door, that we would be dazzled gradually by how good you are and by the truth of your teaching. So, Father, we just give to you tonight everything that we're questioning, all our frustrations, our confusion, the things we don't understand. And, Jesus, I know that you're happy to for us to come to you with questions and to ask everything. And Jesus, we just want to say that we want to be the people who lean in. We want to be the people who linger. We want to be the people found around the table of the Lord. And so help us, Jesus. Lean into us as we lean into you. And increase the relationship between us, Jesus. That we would feel, perhaps not that all our questions are answered, but that we are actually deeply connected to you. This is what we want, Jesus. And maybe just as we finish tonight, you might like to just take a moment to have a conversation with Jesus yourself. Maybe you'd like to imagine that you're by the sea 
and that you've stayed behind and you've lingered and now you've got Jesus and you want to ask him something. Just let Jesus know how it is that you're feeling tonight. I just speak over you tonight in the name of Jesus and in the power of the Holy Spirit that when you hit walls of confusion, you will lead in. I speak that over us. I speak that we will be the people who lean into Jesus. Amen. Well, if you'd like some prayer or just to chat with someone, do that. I'm happy to linger. If not, have a fantastic week. Lean into Jesus in your way this week. Go back and read Mark chapter 4 and just let yourself wrestle with it all. Yeah? Bless you.